Amen. And I do appreciate you singing out the praises of the Lord. We're turning together in the gospel this evening to the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah and to the chapter 42, the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah and the chapter 42. And so our Bible reading from this chapter falls into that section in Isaiah uh, where the Lord has commanded the prophet to speak words of comfort, words of comfort to God's people. And that section starts in chapter 40 and it continues through to the end of the prophecy to chapter 66. And if you think of that section of Isaiah as a section of comfort, comforting words to God's people. You could think perhaps through that section of many blessed verses, words of promise, words of encouragement, and words of comfort to God's people. And we come to Isaiah 42, and we certainly find here words of comfort, reading from the first verse. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not feel nor be discouraged till he have said judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Amen. We'll end there at verse 8, and may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Now let us turn once again in God's Word to the portion of Scripture we've read together, and that's Isaiah and the chapter 42. Isaiah and the chapter 42. And I would like to draw your attention to the verse 7. And this is my text of Scripture for this evening in the Gospel. Isaiah 42 and the verse 7, To open the blind eyes, 
to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And as I mentioned this morning, the title of my message tonight is The Prison House of Sin. The Prison House of Sin. Let's just unite our hearts together in a brief word of prayer to ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank thee for the blessings of this thy day. And we rejoice, O God, that thou hast been gracious, thou hast been merciful to us. And even as we come tonight to look afresh into thy precious word, Lord, we do pray for the help and the enlightenment of God the Holy Spirit. May we know that in filling tonight that we will have liberty in the preaching of thy word. And Lord, we confess tonight our great need of thee. We come to thee in our weakness, but we thank thee, our Father, that thy strength is made perfect in weakness. Come tonight, we pray, and touch my lips with that live coal from off the altar and in everything that would be said tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified and his name would be exalted. Hear and answer prayer. We offer it in the Savior's name. Amen. Well, the words here that we have read together from Isaiah chapter 42, they would relate in their immediate context to King Cyrus. But you could not read down the words that we have read together without seeing that they are also related to the Lord Jesus Christ. You could not fail to see the Savior being described in the words that we have read together. We would say that these words are actually centering upon the work of the Savior. Notice from the very first verse that our attention is drawn to the servant of Jehovah. Behold my servant. And we would be saying tonight that this servant is the Lord Jesus himself. And therefore you can see something of the condescension of the Savior. And through his whole incarnation, you can see how he was the servant of Jehovah. And the Savior was willing to humble himself and come into this world and take that lowly position. He became a servant. You could look into these words and see something of the commission of the Savior. As verse 1 goes on, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Again, if you meditate upon those words, you will see something there of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his great commission in coming into this world. Verse 3 indicates something of the compassion of the Savior. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment Unto truth. And there's the Lord, and there's the, the love of the Lord. 
that he will not break the bruised reed and he will not quench the smoking flax. The passage would go on to speak in verse 6 about the covenant of the Savior. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. And in all this, the prophet Isaiah is showing to us something of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unless you would be unconvinced at this stage, we actually can read in the Gospel of Matthew and the chapter 12 the direct quotation from Isaiah 42. And in Matthew 12 and the verse 17, it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. And the verses there that follow in Matthew 12, there's a direct quotation from Isaiah chapter 42 and those opening four verses. And it's showing us beyond all shadow of a doubt that our Bible reading tonight is speaking to us of the Savior. And it's speaking to us of the great work that was accomplished by the Savior. And Isaiah begins to enlarge upon that work. And he gives it to us in more detail. Oh, the Lord would be that light. That light of the Gentiles. But as our text of Scripture shows, here's something of the work of the Savior. And it's to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. The Lord Jesus Christ is the great emancipator and it's not just relating to the captives in Babylon. No, it's relating to souls, souls that are held in the grip of Satan. It's the Lord Jesus Christ alone who is able to release the captives. It's the Lord Jesus Christ alone who is able to set the prisoners free. These past two or three days, there has been a pause in the Israeli and Gaza war. And the pause there in hostilities is in order that those who were held captive may be set free. And maybe you have witnessed some of those pictures as the captives from both sides have been released. And you have seen them there being reunited with their loved ones. And that freedom that brings such a relief and that brings such joy. Scenes of great emotion. The captives being released. Well, that's what the seventh verse is describing for us here. It brings us an analogy of the prison, and it's speaking about the prison house and those prisoners within that prison house. And really what we see in this passage of God's Word is that the salvation of the soul is being likened to the setting free of the prisoners. 
free from the prison house. There's an unsaved soul that's listening to the word of God this evening. You're imprisoned by Satan and sin. You're being held captive by the devil. You're bound by your sin. And it's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can set you free. And so for just a few moments together in the gospel, I want you to think about that. The prison house of sin and the prisoners being set free from that prison house. We think about those prisoners for a moment. Firstly, we look at the blindness of the prisoners. It says to open the blind eyes. To bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. The blind eyes. Those who were held in this prison house described in our text in verse 7. They're sitting there in darkness and they're blinded. Now whether the blindness comes due to the absence of daylight or whether it's just a reference here to uh, the pitch black darkness that they're sitting in, but either way, they're unable to see. They read about it, it reminded me of the, the pit ponies that were used around the 18th century and following, they were down the mines and the pit ponies were used to, to draw the coal. And some of those ponies were kept down the mines continually. They were even stabled away down hundreds of feet below the ground and they never got out. Maybe only when the miners were on holiday did those ponies get out and they went blind. And some would say to us that those ponies down the mines, they went blind because they were working all the time in darkness. And there was such a lack of daylight that working continually in the darkness caused them to go blind. Others would say that the reason so many of the pit ponies went blind is because when they were working down the mines, it was so dangerous and there was always uh, rocks and debris that was falling and their eyes actually got injured. Their eyesight was damaged in that way. But either way, they were blinded. And they were in darkness. And these prisoners here in verse 7, they could not see. Either they could not see because they were in pitch black darkness or because, as the punishment was at times, and we learned it recently with Samson, they would put out the eyes of the prisoner. And so here we have the prisoners who were sitting in darkness. What a picture that is of the unsaved soul, those who were spiritually blind. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so the sinful soul is pictured there as sitting in the darkness of their sin. It's that spiritual ignorance to their condition. 
It's that spiritual ignorance to the gospel. There's no understanding of the things of God. That's a terrible darkness, a terrible ignorance to be sitting in. That darkness is highlighted in various places in the Word of God. For example, in Romans and the chapter 1 and in the verse 21, we read, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They were abiding in the darkness, and it says their foolish heart was darkened. The darkness of the sinner's heart over in Romans chapter 11, it speaks again about that darkness in the verse 10. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back all way. Their eyes are darkened. And it's speaking there about the eyes being covered with a darkness. The heart is darkened. The eyes are darkened. And over in Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse 18, it says, having the understanding darkened. May you can see the darkness and the blindness there of the unsaved soul. The heart is darkened. The eyes are darkened. The understanding is darkened. There's no comprehension there of the gospel. There's no comprehension of their condition and of their need to be saved. The natural man, he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And whenever the heart and the eyes and the understanding are all darkened, there's no grasp there of the gospel truth. The Pharisees would be a good example of that. They had the truth. In fact, they had the Lord Jesus Christ there right in their midst. But the Lord described it in Matthew 15 and the verse 14 when he referred to the Pharisees as blind. And he said they're blind leaders of the blind. They're abiding there in that darkness. You know what salvation is? Salvation is an opening up of the eyes. Salvation is being able to see spiritually. In 2 Corinthians 4 and the verse 6, But God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. Give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Reading from Isaiah 42, you could go down there to the 16th verse. And the prophet writes further where the Lord says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. 
Do you see what the Lord does for that soul that comes to trust in him? The Lord said he'll make the darkness light and he'll make the crooked places straight and he'll not forsake them. But those prisoners who sit on in the prison house of sin, they're blind and they're sitting in darkness. But not only the blindness of these prisoners, I want you to think secondly about the bondage of these prisoners. It may not be evident in our text of Scripture, Isaiah 42 and the verse 7, but when you go through the Word of God, you find that those in prison were often bound. For example, in the book of Genesis and in the chapter 39, It's referring there to Joseph being put into the prison. And in Genesis chapter 39 and the verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. And so whenever Joseph was thrown into prison under a false accusation, He was bound in the prison. A week or two ago, we considered Samson. We used those very points because Samson's eyes was put out. He was blind, but it tells us also that he was bound. He was bound in the prison house with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Do you know when Herod in the New Testament took hold of John, It says he bound him and put him in prison. You read of the apostle Peter being in prison, and he was bound in that prison. Paul and Silas, in Acts chapter 16, they were held bound in the stocks in that prison. Their feet were held fast. Therefore, whenever you read about prisoners in the Bible and those in the prison house, such were the prison conditions that they were bound in the prison house. It's an interesting verse over there in Proverbs and the chapter 5, and it's the verse 22. And it says in Proverbs 5 and 22, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. My, that's an interesting verse whenever you consider it. It's speaking about the wicked being taken with their own iniquities, and they're actually being held or they're being bound with the cords of their own sins. They're being bound by sin. They're being held by sin. The cords of his sins, Proverbs says. Those cords, they're all made up of little threads. Thread by itself, you can just break it easily. But whenever all of those strands are woven together, they can become a very strong cord. And you think of all of the sins, and they're all being woven together, strand by strand. 
and they're forming that very strong cord or that strong rope. Oh, you see the sinner starting out into the things of the world and wanting to experience the pleasures of this world. And then slowly but surely, the cords of their sin begin to bind them. And before they know it, they've been holding and they've been taken with their own iniquities. And how many tonight unsaved souls have been tied up and ensnared by their own sins. The cords of their sins have taken hold upon them. And they're held bound tonight by sin and by Satan. And so strong are the cords of their own sins that it's impossible for them to break free. Oh, those sinful habits that have taken hold over a long period of time. And here's the picture of the prisoner in the prison house of his own sins. His own sins have taken him. Those sinful passions, those sinful desires, the habits have become addictions. And they leave a man bound in his sins incarcerated, held fast by his sin. That's not a pleasant picture whenever you think about it this evening. There's the prisoner in the prison house and they're blind because of sin and they're bound because of sin. But I want you to notice with me thirdly the blessing of the prisoner the blessing of the prisoner. You notice the work that we have referred to, the work there that's spoken of in verse 7. It's the work of the Savior, and it says, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And here's the blessing of the prisoner. They can get set free. They can be brought forth out of the prison. Freedom, deliverance, being set free. It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord died upon the cross to redeem us. He shed his precious blood to redeem us. He shed his blood to set us free. And as it says of the Savior in John 8 and 32, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus Christ is the truth. Those tonight who have been blinded by sin, bound by sin, here's the blessing. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be set free tonight. The blinded eyes can be opened. The entrance of God's word can give light to your heart tonight. Those who are bound can be delivered. Isaiah has spoken about it previously in his prophecy. There in Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah 29 and the 18th verse. And we read there, And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of the obscurity and out of the darkness. Then Isaiah chapter 35 and 
There it's the verse 5. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the Lord is able to set the prisoner free. It's a terrible thing to be held bound in prison. And due with the chaplaincy work that I would be involved with in the prison, you see just a little bit of that, what it is to be held in the prison house. Some that I would spend time with, they have been there for many, many years. And some of them have yet many years to serve of their sentence. Whenever I would go in, perhaps one week, and it might be two weeks until I would be back again. And I think of all the things that I have done in that two-week period and all the places that I have been in that two-week period, and then I go back into the prison and onto the same wing, and there they are. Oh, you could say tonight, well, sure, they have many privileges and they've, they've got their televisions or videos or playstations or whatever it is, but I'll tell you what they don't have. They don't have their freedom. They're held in the prison house. And it's a terrible thing to be held in the prison house of sin, but over the years, as I've got to know different prisoners and you would be asking them, how long have you left? And they're counting down the time until their release. I have been there on one or two occasions with relatives waiting on the prisoner to come through the gate. The time of their release. That's an emotional time. But oh, the relief and being reunited there and the joy of, of being set free. Though on an infinitely greater level, this is the work that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to do for the sinful soul. He's able to open up the blinded eyes. He's able to set the prisoner free. There's so many examples of it in God's precious word, but you remember blind Bartimaeus as he sat begging by the highway side and he cried out when he heard the Lord passing, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord went to him. And the Lord said to him, What wilt thou? What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And blind Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight. And it says, immediately he received his sight. He can open up the blinded eyes. What he did for Bartimaeus there physically and literally, he can do for you spiritually. You think of the man of Gadara who was there, the outcast of society, and he lived among the tombs, and he was so wild that no man could tame him. He was one who was self-harming. He was cutting himself. He was possessed with the devils. He was held fast. He was bound by his own sins. And when the Lord came by that way, the Lord was able to cast out the demons and the Lord was able to set him gloriously free from the power of Satan. I don't know what it is tonight that would bind you. 
I don't know what it is tonight that would keep you back from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I know tonight the Lord has that power. He's able to break the bounds of counseled sin, and he's able to set the prisoner free. Though that even tonight precious souls would come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they would be set free from the prison house of sin. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening.